Acts chapter 1, verse 1 to 14. In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. After his suffering, he showed himself to these men and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command, Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So when they met together, they asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, It is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to all the ends of the earth. After he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid them from their sight. They were looking intently up into the sky as he was going, when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. Then they returned to Jerusalem, from the hill called the Mountain of Olives, a Sabbath day walk from the city. When they arrived, they went up the stairs to the room where they were staying. Those present were Peter, John, James and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James, son of Alphaeus, and Simon the Zealot, and Judas, the son of James. They were all joined together constantly in prayer, along with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. Please leave your Bibles open there. And Acts chapter 1, let's come before the Lord in prayer. Father God, as we begin our time in uh, the book of Acts, we pray that your spirit would guide us, uh, that we might um, see what you want us to see hear what you want us to hear, that our hearts might be changed and encouraged by your Holy Spirit and by the work of your people through the work of the Holy Spirit. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. On the Sunday in question, Tamara and I had just attended church. At the time, we were going to Dixon Baptist in Canberra. And we just started to make our way home and as we did so, we pulled on to quite a busy four-lane road, uh, two lanes in each direction. And we continued to head straight down this quite main road in Canberra. I'd only just reached the speed limit when all of a sudden a little red car pulled right out in front of me. It happened so quickly that I didn't even get an opportunity to touch the brakes. And before I knew it, my quite big car was pushing this little car sideways down the road around 30 or 40 metres. 
think for a few moments after we'd stopped, I was just in shock. I had no idea what had just happened. But once I'd regathered myself and checked to make sure Tamara was okay, I got out and began to help uh, with, with the help of a bystander, push this little red car out of the intersection as best we could. It was a bit broken, quite a bit broken, so that the traffic could keep coming through. In that little car was an old lady who was very dazed and confused. In fact, even as we pushed the car, she steered it straight into the gutter and made it quite a bit harder because she was in shock. I honestly don't think she even saw my car coming down the road that day. And so after I'd done my best to try and comfort her, Tamara and I sat in our now very damaged car, only a few hundred metres away from where we just worshipped at church, and we began to wait for the police to arrive. And on top of all of the chaos we are experiencing that day, it is Canberra I'm talking about, it began to snow. Both of those cars were written off that day. And if it wasn't for a witness who took the time to wait with us for the police, I could have found myself in some really serious trouble. I was only in my very early 20s at the time. And so as a young man driving a young man's kind of car, having hit a little old lady in a sensible little car, well, it probably wasn't looking very good for me. If it wasn't for this witness who took the time to stop and talk to the police that day, it would have been very easy for the police to assume that I'd been driving too fast or that I'd done something erratic to cause this accident. But worse than that, and I'm honestly a bit ashamed to admit it, the car I was driving had no third-party property on it. And so I, if I had have been found to being guilty that day, I would have had to have bought this lady a new car out of my own pocket. I was in a very precarious position that day. And if no one had told the truth of that situation to this police officer, well, I could have been facing some very serious consequences. I could have been paying for that accident for a really long time. The road that we had that accident on is a very main road. It's a very well-known road, and it's a very busy road. And I'm sure that there would have been many, quite a lot of people who would have seen what happened that day, but who chose not to get involved and instead kept on driving. If no one had stopped, I'm sure that I would have been in a lot of trouble. But because one person took the time to stop and be a witness to those police officers that day. I was saved from what could have been some serious consequences. And so I'm really thankful for the person who stopped and acted as a witness that day. But nowhere near as thankful as I am to those who have been witnesses for Christ Jesus in my life. Because the consequences of not hearing and believing the good news of Jesus would affect not just my life now, but my life into eternity. If no one had shared the good news of Jesus with me, I'd still be spending my days 
trying to earn as much money as I can or trying to find my confidence, and I did for quite a long time, trying to find my confidence in what I do, in how well I do what I do. I'd still be trying to find peace and joy in things that don't last. And I'd still be living separated from God by my sin. The stakes are far too high for those who don't know Jesus. The consequences of choosing not to get involved are far too serious for us to ignore. We have faith in Jesus. We are among those who are called to be witnesses of what he has done in our lives and to take this good news to the ends of the earth. And that's what the book of Acts is all about. It's about the gospel going from Jerusalem out into the ends of the earth and those who were once separated from God, those outside of his covenant being brought in. Now, the book of Acts is the second volume in Luke's writing. We've been through the gospel of Luke recently. Well, Luke is the writer of Acts, and this is his second volume to a man named Theophilus. Now, no one really knows who this man Theophilus was. There is a clue in his name. It's a Greek name, which means loved by God. He must have been, he could have quite easily been a, a rich benefactor who helped uh, Luke afford to write this way. Now, we know this book as the Acts of the Apostles. This is not the name that Luke gave it. It didn't, in fact, get this name until sometime in the second century when one of the early church fathers named, began to refer to it this way. But I think a more appropriate name would be the Acts of the Risen Lord Jesus because it's what Christ does and his Holy Spirit does throughout this book that unifies the entire book. See, Luke tells us that in his gospel, he was writing about all that Jesus had done and taught up until he was taken to heaven. But now in the book of Acts, Luke is writing about all that the risen Lord Jesus is doing through his Holy Spirit and through his people after he was taken up into heaven. Now, help us orientate ourselves to this book. We'll think about the four main sections. In chapters 2 to 4, the book focuses on the gospel going out from Jerusalem. It's very Jerusalem-centred as the Holy Spirit is poured out in Jerusalem. Then in verses 8 to 12, that same Holy Spirit's been poured out to the Gentiles. And from there, it only goes out further in 13 to 20, as Paul goes on his missionary trips. And then in 21 to 28, as Paul continues to proclaim Christ whilst in chains in Rome. The book of Acts is all about Jesus calling and empowering those who trust in him to be witnesses for Christ Jesus as he brings those who were once outside into his kingdom. We too are being challenged to be his witnesses wherever we are and whatever we're doing. And even though we're 
called to be witnesses for Christ Jesus, we are not called to do this in our own strength. Verse 4. Verse 4 tells us that after 40 days of appearing to the believers, the risen Lord Jesus told his disciples to stay in Jerusalem and wait for the gift his father promised. And the gift that he was speaking about was the promised Holy Spirit. In verse 5, Jesus says, John baptized with water, but in a few days you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. You know, John's baptism was a baptism of repentance, one of turning away from sin and turning to Christ, to Jesus. But this baptism of the promised Holy Spirit was a spiritual filling of the believer with the power of the Holy Spirit. A baptism that took these same disciples who fled when Jesus was arrested and Peter who denied Jesus three times and made them incredibly bold in the way they proclaimed the good news of Jesus. It did not make them believers. They already trusted in Jesus. The Holy Spirit had already done that work. But what it did do was give them incredible boldness as it empowered them, as it pushed them out of their comfort zone. If anyone has faith in Christ Jesus and what he has done for them on the cross, then they already have the Holy Spirit in them. But even though the Holy Spirit dwells in those who trust in Christ Jesus, we can still make the mistake of serving the Lord in our own strength by trusting in our own gifts, our own talents, and relying on them instead of the Spirit's work. As we work our way through the book of Acts, we'll see that all believers are being encouraged to be witnesses for Christ Jesus wherever we are and whatever we are doing. And we are being called to be witnesses for Christ Jesus in the power of his Holy Spirit. So the first application point for today is that as witnesses of Christ Jesus, witnesses to what he has done, we can only testify to what we have experienced ourselves. And this is a very challenging point even for myself as we think about this. It wouldn't have done me any good if the man who had stayed and witnessed to what he'd seen in that car accident that day had told the police officer that someone had told him that I wasn't speeding or that he had a feeling that I probably wasn't speeding. Because if he'd done that, he would have been an untrustworthy witness. It was only because he had seen and heard what had happened, that he was able to give an accurate and helpful testimony. And in the same way, we aren't going to be able to share the good news of Jesus unless we have experienced it ourselves, unless we have seen how incredibly unworthy we are of God's mercy, unless we have understood the seriousness of our sin and the consequences of sin. And unless we know 
the abundant grace that God continues to lavish on us. The only way we're going to see how amazing the good news of Jesus is, is by taking that deep dive into God's word and allowing it to speak into our lives. The second point of application for today is that as witnesses for Christ Jesus, we need to be convinced of the message we profess. Not all of us are drawn to academics. Not all of us enjoy reflecting on all sorts of theological conundrums. But as witnesses for Jesus, it's important that our worldview, our priorities, are being shaped by the good news of Jesus rather than the world around us. And so it is really important for us to study and reflect on God's word so that we are convinced of the good news we are called to profess. If our lives aren't being shaped by this good news, if our priorities and all of the things that we, the way we look at the world aren't being shaped by this good news, we can't expect others to see it in our lives. It isn't evident that we are convinced of this message and taking it seriously. Then how can we expect to take this message out as witnesses of Christ Jesus. The third point of application for today is that as witnesses for Jesus, we need to rely on the promised Holy Spirit for our strength. It's really easy to find ourselves serving the Lord, doing good things, but doing them in our own strength. It's really easy to push prayer to the side and rely on our talents and our gifts and the experiences we've had throughout our lives. And while those tools are good, God-given tools, our greatest tool is prayer because it points us back to the Spirit and it invites him into what we are doing. Because unless we witness to what Jesus has done in the power of his spirit, we are unlikely to see any fruit. In our own strength, we will always stay in our own comfort zone. In our own strength, we will always do, we'll always serve Christ the way we feel comfortable serving Christ. But if we are being led by the spirit, he will always push us out of our comfort zone. He will always encourage us to serve Christ the way Christ wants us to. And so unless we witness for Christ Jesus in the power of his spirit, we do so in vain. The last application for today is that as witnesses of Christ Jesus, we are called to share this good news together as members of one body. In the upper room, while the disciples, while they were waiting for the promised Holy Spirit, the 11 disciples, obviously Judas wasn't there, uh, along with some women, Mary and some of her sons, they were together. And as we read the book of Acts, we read 
about lots of times when individuals were sent out from the body of Christ to go and proclaim the good news, but they were never separate from their local body of believers. They continued to meet together, of course, when they weren't in prison, uh, to pray, to worship, and to encourage each other in the Lord. In fact, even in prison, Paul wrote many letters to his fellow believers throughout, throughout the entire kingdom. And during that time, he wrote the book, books of Colossians, Ephesians, Philippians, and Philemon. And while Paul was writing these letters, reaching out, even while he was in chains in prison, the believers kept on supporting him and encouraging him and praying for him, even while he was in prison. As followers of Christ Jesus, we are called to witness to the good news of Jesus, but we're not called to do it on our own. We are called to share in this calling together as members of one body united by the blood of Christ. It's a huge responsibility to be witnesses for Christ Jesus. And it's not one that we should take lightly because the implications for those who don't know the Lord are so serious. Those who don't know the Lord cannot afford for us to see the gospel needs in our community and then avoid getting involved. So if we're going to take this call to be witnesses of Christ Jesus seriously, if we're going to be active in the mission that God has given us to do, we need to invest, first of all, in our own walk with the Lord. We need to study his word. We need to be diligent in prayer and keeping on fellowshipping with God's people. We need to be quick to rely on God's Holy Spirit instead of our own strength and ready to support each other as we reach out to those around us with the good news of Jesus. As followers of Jesus, we are those who are witnesses for Jesus in our families and in our community. We are among those who have experienced the difference hope in Christ Jesus has made in our own lives. We are those who are convinced that what Jesus did for us on the cross set us free from the guilt of our shame and restored our relationship with God. We are those who, by the strength of the Holy Spirit, have been called to be his witnesses. Let us not be the type of witnesses who see the gospel needs in our community and around us, but who refuse to speak up. Because the consequences for those who don't know the Lord are so serious. And we take this call to be Christ's ambassadors, ambassadors with the gospel, witnesses for him, and we take it very, very seriously. Let's pray. Father God, we confess that 
even though there have been many times when we have thought to ourselves, this person or that person could really do with Christ Jesus in their lives. We have avoided getting involved. We've counted the cost and decided it was too hard. Lord, challenge us, rebuke us, make us more like your son. Begin, Lord, in our own relationship, Lord, as you draw us near to you and work and, and work through us, Lord, in our community, Lord, and in our relationships, Lord. Help us to be your witnesses wherever we are and whatever we're doing. For your name's sake we pray. Amen.